Today's reading is taken from Luke chapter 12, starting at verse 13, and you can find that on page 871 of the Church Bibles. Someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. But he said to him, Man, who made me a judge or arbitrator over you? And he said to them, Take care and be on your guard against all covetousness, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of one's possessions. And he told them a parable, saying, The land of a rich man produced plentifully. And he thought to himself, What shall I do, for I have nowhere to store my crops? And he said, I will do this. I will tear down my barns and build larger ones. And there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, be merry. But God said to him, Fool, this night your soul is required of you, and the things you have prepared, whose will they be? So is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich towards God. Thanks, Laura. Uh, if you'd like to keep that passage open in front of you, and we'll look at it together. And as we do that, let's pray and ask for God's help. Our Lord God, we thank you for this time to gather around your word. And Lord, we pray that as we do, you would still our hearts and set our eyes on you. Lord, you know uh, each and every one of us. You know us better than we know ourselves. You know uh, what we need to hear today. And so we pray, Lord God, that your spirit would be at work in our midst, convicting us, um, encouraging us, challenging us. Lord, whichever way um, you wish to work today, Lord, would you work through your word now. And we pray these things in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. Uh, well, uh, the beginning of a new year is a good time to take stock uh, of our lives, to think, uh, to reflect maybe on where we've been uh, and to think forward as to where we're heading and, and maybe consider any changes that we might need to make as we look forward to the year ahead. It's, of course, the time of New Year's resolutions and perhaps uh, you still have some resolutions that are going strong as we head into the third week of January. Uh, over the last couple of weeks here at church, we've uh, been thinking about ways that we can resolve to grow in our faith in 2023. Uh, on New Year's Day, uh, for those hardy souls who, who made it along, uh, we looked at Psalm 103. Uh, and we thought about the importance of the health of our inner lives of cultivating an attitude that, that lifts our eyes to God. And we saw that if we can be intentional about remembering God's grace and mercy to us, his love and compassion that he's poured out on his children and his sovereign rule over our lives, then that will be a huge help to us as we face the various ups and downs in the year ahead. And then last week, Sam took us through Philippians chapter 3 as we thought about the importance of 
pressing on, of cultivating our relationship with God as we spend time with Him in prayer and reading His Word. And this week, we're going to turn our attention to, to one of the ways that our, our inner spiritual health is expressed in a visible, practical way. It's a subject that's very high on the agenda in our country right now, and, and no doubt it's never far from your mind, and that is the subject of money. We're, of course, living through a cost-of-living crisis, and we're, we're all feeling the impact of that in different ways, whether it's rising interest rates on our mortgage or energy bills or the cost of the, the weekly shop. All of us are affected in some way. It's hard not to become preoccupied with money when times are tough, and these are tough times. But, of course, times don't need to be tough for us to become consumed with money. It's very easy for money and the pursuit of wealth and possessions to dominate our thoughts. And that pursuit of wealth can, can impact every area of our lives, including uh, our closest relationships. And in the passage that we're looking at today, Jesus warns against that all-consuming attitude to money, that attitude that pursues possessions, that thinks that the key to a fulfilled life is to accumulate as much stuff as you can. And it's a warning that comes after Jesus encounters a guy who came to him to settle a family dispute. Now, before we get into it, it's helpful to just situate ourselves in Luke's gospel for a moment. So Luke's gospel is an account of Jesus' life. And this incident takes place in the middle section of the book as Jesus journeyed to Jerusalem. Throughout that journey, Jesus took time to, to teach people about what it means to know God and to follow Him. And, and this incident, uh, it takes place in the middle of an extended time of teaching that Jesus gave. So as Jesus is teaching, this guy essentially interrupts him. Verse 13, someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Now, people ask Jesus questions all the time. And normally, Jesus was happy to answer them. But this guy's question, it revealed the true state of his heart. He wasn't interested in who Jesus was or what he had to say. He was totally preoccupied with his money. His question, it was motivated by selfishness. And we know that because of the way that Jesus responds to him in verse 14. But Jesus said to him, man, who made me a judge or arbitrator over you? Now, man, we might know that as a, a familiar greeting. It kind of goes in the same category as dude or bro. But that's not the way that Jesus was using it. Man, as Jesus uses it here, was an expression of exasperation. Jesus had no intention of getting involved in this family dispute. His response, it revealed the selfishness behind the man's question. But one man's selfishness presented a wonderful opportunity for Jesus to teach his listeners a very important lesson. He turns to the crowd and he says to them, verse 15, Take care and be on your guard against all covetousness. Now, most of us probably tend to think of greed as someone else's problem. 
But the fact that Jesus warns the crowd about the sin of covetousness, it tells us that it is something that any of us can easily be blind to. Tim Keller, he writes on this verse that it is a remarkable statement. Think of another traditional sin that the Bible warns against, adultery. Jesus doesn't say, be careful you aren't committing adultery. He doesn't have to. When you are in bed with someone else's spouse, you know it. Halfway through, you don't say, oh, wait a minute, I think this is adultery. You know it is. Yet, even though it is clear that the world is filled with greed and materialism, almost no one thinks it is true of them. They are in denial. Jesus wasn't saying that the earning money or having possessions was in itself bad. His warning is against becoming consumed by those things. Materialism is one of the gods, one of the idols in our culture, isn't it? How we view ourselves and how we are viewed by others, it can so often be based on the, the, the possessions that we have, the car that we drive, the house that we live in, the, or the places we go to eat. It's easy for my security, my identity, my happiness to be bound up in what I have, what I own, what I earn, what I have stashed away. But Jesus says that's not where true wealth lies. He goes on, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. Our value, it's not in how much we have, it's found in who we are in relation to God. And just to make sure that they get the point, Jesus tells them a parable which has come to be known as the parable of the rich fool. Now, a parable uh, is just a, a, a name for a story that Jesus told his listeners to teach them something about God. And this parable gives us God's assessment on those who put their hope in their possessions. Jesus begins verse 16, the land of a rich man produced plentifully. So, you know, some people just have it made, don't they? This guy was already rich, and then he just got way richer. He, he had a bumper crop, a crop that was evidently so big and so unexpected that he didn't have enough room to store it all. Uh, we read verse 17. He thought to himself, what shall I do? For I have nowhere to store my crops. And he said, I will do this. I will tear down my barns and build larger ones. And there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I will say to my soul, soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, be merry. So this guy put a lot of thought into how to maximize his profits. But if you look closely at these verses, what you see is that all his thinking was entirely self-centered. Eleven times in verse 17 to verse 19, he refers to himself. This guy was not interested in living generously. He didn't care about using his money to benefit those in need. No, his only motivation was how he could use his wealth to indulge himself, to take early retirement and relax, to eat, drink, and be merry. You know, some people look uh, to money as a way of giving them power or control. Others look to money for security uh, and comfort. Others want money for status. This guy 
His money was all about access to pleasure. Pleasure was his idol. That was his ultimate God. It was the place where he put his hopes, where he put his happiness. All his life, his mo- the motivation to accumulate riches was so that he could live in self-indulgence. They say that if you want to know someone's priorities, then take a look at their bank statement. I wonder, what does your spending say about where your priorities lie? Uh, maybe right now you are in survival mode, and every spare penny is going to pay the bills and put food on the table. There are many people who are really feeling the pinch right now. But for others, a cost of living crisis just means some discomfort, frustration that there's a, a, a bit less money than before. But whether it's the latest gadget, uh, the uh, restaurant bill, or, or being one of the one and a half million people who shelled out 28 pounds for Harry's autobiography on day one, there's really no need to curb their spending on themselves. Uh, I was speaking to a friend the other day, and he supports a local Edinburgh football club. And he was telling me how hard it is to get tickets for a game right now. He said that there is a waiting list of two and a half thousand for season tickets. A waiting list for season tickets for a Scottish football team. I have been following Scottish football all my life, and I have never heard of that before. Some people have a lot of disposable income kicking around. Now, money gives access to so much of what our world values. It allows us to pursue pleasure, and it's seen as a marker of success. Someone who's able to accumulate an abundance of possessions, they'll be seen as successful, wise in our world's eyes. But God's assessment is very different. As this rich man settled down for the night, and he looked forward to his life of self-indulgence, he was given a rude awakening. Look with me at verse 20. But God said to him, Fool, this night your soul is required of you, and the things you have prepared, whose will they be? Now, this guy thought he had it all sussed out, a life of ease and pleasure, all the way to the grave. He may have appeared wise to the world, but in God's sight, he was a fool. All he'd managed to do And his self-indulgent planning was to prepare his wealth for somebody else to enjoy. Death meant that he would just have to leave it all behind. In the Bible, a fool is someone who lives uh, with no regard for God, as if this life is all that really matters. And if this life is all there is, then it might be considered wise just to make the most of it, to eat, drink, and be merry, to think, well, I'm here for, for a good time, not for a long time. But if this life is not all there is, if there's a God who we will one day answer to, who holds our eternal destiny in our hands, well, then living only for this life without any thought of Him Surely that is the most foolish thing that we could do. Gaining the whole world, but forfeiting our souls. And that's exactly what this guy did. He sacrificed a glorious eternity of riches with God for a few fleeting moments of personal pleasure. He was a fool. 
And Jesus says, so is anyone who does the same. Verse 21, so is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. Start of a new year. It's an opportunity for us to ask ourselves, what is it that I treasure as I go into 2023? And where do I want my treasure to be? Will I see the foolishness of pursuing earthly riches and look to the one who gives true heavenly riches, the one who gives lasting satisfaction, the one who gives rest to restless souls? Like the rich fool in this parable, we deserve the same assessment from God if we are living with no thought of Him. But the wonderful news of the Christian faith is that there is one who made Himself poor so that we might become rich. One who gave up all the riches of heaven and humbled Himself to death on a cross. Remember, Jesus told this story while He was on His way to Jerusalem. And He made it clear to His followers why He was going there. We read repeatedly along that journey, Jesus telling his followers that he was going to Jerusalem to die, to die on the cross in the place of foolish people, to bear the judgment that sinful people deserve for living with no thought of God. Through his death and resurrection, anyone who trusts in Jesus can know forgiveness and the glorious hope of an eternity with riches that will never perish spoil, or fade. Aren't those the kind of riches that we want to invest in? The riches that Jesus offers. This story is hard-hitting. Jesus doesn't hold back here. It's a sobering warning for anyone who hasn't put their faith in Him yet. But it's a warning that is given in love so that you would turn to Him while you can. So can I encourage you today, if you haven't already turned to Jesus, will you do that? Will you turn to Him at the start of this year? What a great way to head into 2023. Will you invest in the riches that He offers? Will you trust Him with your life, with your, with your future? He's the only one who can offer you something that, that all the riches in this world simply cannot complete security that lasts for eternity. And if we're Christians here today, then this is a great opportunity for us at the start of a new year to reflect on our attitude to money. Will your priority in 2023 be heavenly riches? And will your spending reflect that? Will you dwell on the sacrifice that Jesus made and consider His lavish generosity that He has poured out upon you? How He saved you from the penalty of sin and secured an eternal inheritance for you. Because it's as you do that that you are freed from worrying about money. Instead, you can trust that the God who has provided the ultimate sacrifice for you will care for you. And it says you do that, that you're freed from coveting other people's money. Instead, you can enjoy a status that is far greater than anything that money could buy. And it says you dwell on His sacrifice, that you are freed 
to use your money, not for your own self-indulgence, but in grateful response to the glorious eternal riches that have been secured, not through you earning them, but have been given to you in Jesus Christ. Let's pray together. Our gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for the wonderful wealth and privilege that you have given us in Jesus Christ. We thank you that he was willing to give up all the privileges and riches of heaven and humble himself to death on a cross so that we might know what it is not only to be forgiven, but to be adopted into your family and to inherit those glorious riches for eternity. Lord, we pray, Lord God, that as we reflect on your goodness and grace, your lavish generosity, that that would shape our hearts, that our response to you would be one that, that seeks to, to use all the resources you've given us for your glory, for, for, for your honor, that we would recognize the, the, the privilege you've given us as your people. We pray that as we come to this table today um, and we take bread and wine, we pray, Lord God, that you would remind us again in this, this way of your grace and your generosity to us in Jesus Christ. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.